0: I thought I'd ask Jesus what he thinks. So, Jesus, can you hear me? So, I've been reading John's Gospel, and I love it. Like, I love the Gospel. I love how, how simple and clear it is. I mean, I know that John 3.16 is really familiar, but it's just so clear and simple. God loves the world. It's brilliant. You know, Jesus, I love that you don't only say powerful words, Beautiful words, but you also do what you say. Like, there's no scandal or corruption with you. That's extraordinary. You're, you're good. Um, anyway, so I've been reading John's gospel and um, we're trying to unpack it tonight. I don't always understand what you're saying. Sometimes, I mean, brilliant, but sometimes you say really cryptic things. Like, look, look how you start with poor Nicodemus. You say, "Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again." I mean. I'm mean, with Nicodemus. What? I mean, what is that? What sort of opening line is that to Nicodemus? Like, why would you say that to him? He's an important person, a nice person. When did he come visit you? Um, in, in, in the nighttime. Okay, so I know maybe he's a bit scared. He doesn't want to ruffle the feathers of his important mates. But I think he really is wanting to seek you and you start talking about the kingdom. And I, I know Nicodemus would have got what you're talking about, but if I was trying to explain it to people, kingdom is a kind of old-fashioned term. Like, do, do you mind if I update it? Like, kingdom is a hard word for people to understand today. I don't know if you've been watching the news in Australia, but, like, we get rid of our prime ministers every few years. We don't really like authority. Is there another way that I can update it? Any ideas? Ask them. Ask them what? If they think this is strange watching me have a conversation with you, okay. Is it it strange watching me have a conversation with Jesus? A little bit. Okay, well, good. I want you to feel strange because... It's always good to feel strange when listening to sermons. Um, Prayer is odd. So often when I come to preach, I will spend the week in my office and often I will pray, I'll talk to Jesus. Now, most people don't see that because the door is shut. But that's what I'm doing. But I I realise that often we do these things and they're kind of hidden, so nobody sees, because it's odd. So when you believe in God and you begin to act on that belief, like strange things start to happen. Now, hopefully, if you've been at church this year, you've heard us talk about prayer meetings. But if you've never been to a prayer meeting, let me warn you, it it is strange going to a prayer meeting, because if you go, there's a group of people sitting around in a circle, I don't know why, but we sit around in a circle, and everyone closes their eyes, and people are speaking out loud, so you've got to work out when to speak, but we're not speaking to one another, we're speaking to someone nobody can see, like, isn't that a bit strange? It is, I think that's why a lot of people don't go to it, so like, oh, that's strange, when do I know when to speak, and who am I speaking to, and other people are listening, but I know I'm meant to be talking to God, like, prayer is a strange thing. And I think a lot of us instinctively know that, and so we tend to keep prayer quiet. We're kind of like Nicodemus, like sneaking away to talk to Jesus when nobody will see. That's how we treat prayer. Like, maybe we pray to falling asleep in our rooms at night when no one can see us. I mean, prayer is so good. You can even pray in your mind. Like, you could be praying right now, and I have no idea. Like, that's how secretive we can be about prayer. Um, you can do it, and nobody can know that you are praying I don't know where you spend most of your weeks, but for a lot of people, talking about Jesus or saying, you know, I've been hanging out with Jesus this week, like, it's a bit strange. And also, Jesus isn't very popular or cool, so we tend to be a little bit like a Nicodemus, just keep it a little bit quiet, a little bit hidden. And we're kind of encouraged to, aren't we? Like, keep your beliefs private. So I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, well, why is it that some people pray and other people don't. Have you ever wondered that? Why do some people pray, and other people don't pray? And of course, linked into this question is, why do some people believe in God, and other people don't? don't? I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but I like asking questions. So this is the question I want to try and answer a little bit tonight. Now, this is a huge question, actually. There's a lot of ways you can answer it. So I'm only addressing one way of answering it, and I think it's a question that underpins the conversation that Jesus is having with Nicodemus. And it's a really important question to kind of wonder, like, why is it? Is it just, do I just believe because of my family or my culture? Now that's what a lot of people might say. Or is there something else going on? So, the conversation begins with Jesus with this weird opening line, and he says, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So Jesus begins by talking about the kingdom. Hopefully you let us talk about the kingdom. If we talk about Jesus, um, we tend to talk about the kingdom. because this was Jesus' favourite phrase. Is anyone brave enough to tell me what they think the kingdom of God is? Any ideas? Definition is to say it's where God rules. Kingdom of God, where God rules. You remember that? So, what is the kingdom of God? Where God rules. So, Jesus is saying there is a God who reigns over you and me, and that that God is in the process of birthing new life right in the middle of the old one, which is, I think, kind of where Hannah was heading. Uh, it's another way of saying it. So, this has got to be one of the most difficult births ever. Now, here's something that might sound controversial to say. Uh, but I don't think God completely rules the earth now. And this is why. Because when you look at the world, there are a lot of people who don't follow God, who don't acknowledge God, and, and nothing seems to happen to them. Like they, they just go around their lives. And if you look at the world, a lot of people are, don't have their eyes fixed on God, they have their eyes fixed on one another. It's like envy fills our eyes and we're just obsessed with like wanting to be like everyone else or pursuing what other people have. And our ears are so full of so much lies and gossip, and it's so hard to discern what is true. And so many of us have brokenness inside us, we have broken relationships, we have shame and guilt often rotting away in us, and terrible, tragic things happen in the world every day. You know, when people do talk about the kingdom of God, they say the kingdom of God is full of justice, and it's full of truth, and goodness, and love, and peace. And we look at the world, that's not the world we live in. So is it fair to say that God doesn't rule completely? Like if God's rule is supposed to be full of love, justice, peace, that's not currently what we have, right? Yeah. Nod, so I know that you're understanding. Good. So Jesus says, in the midst of this messy world, God is at work trying to bring this kingdom to bear. He does so because God loves this world. But it can be hard for us to see sometimes. After once, I was sitting by a lake, and it was a great day, and there was like layer upon layer of clouds, all the hues of grey seemed to be reflected in the water, there was pelicans and black swans on the lake, and and there was insects dancing around me, and a toddler was kind of playing in the sand, like in the shallows with a stick, and I could hear music on the breeze. What would you have seen if you were looking at me? I was actually praying, and at that moment, I felt like God was really close. I was super aware that God was present, that God, God's spirit was hovering on the waters, that God was dancing with the insects, that God was playing with the toddler. You know, for most of history, and in fact in Nicodemus' day, this is the world that they lived in. Like they assumed that there was gods or spirits everywhere. They were acutely aware of the transcendent. And sometimes that was scary. Sometimes it felt like there were these uncontrollable forces at work in your life, and you're trying to appease them or navigate your way through it. Sometimes it was amazing. like You could see the sun part through the clouds and go, oh, that, that's heaven. That's a glimpse of heaven. Or you could hear music on the wind, and you think, maybe, maybe it's angels I could hear singing. Like the world was enchanted. We live in a very different world now. And often, the story that we're told, that's a story you might have heard, is that, yes, once upon a time, human beings believed in the supernatural. Uh, They were superstitious. They were religious. But as humanity has evolved and used our reason, we've been able to put away those childish things and come to know that there is no spiritual dimension to life. Have you ever heard any of that story? So for a lot of people, what they would see is just me sitting by the lake. And then they'd say, that's it. It's just you by the lake alone in that physical environment. Um, it's kind of like you've drained all the supernatural out of the world, and that's all there is. But interestingly, like this is a story that's quite strong in our culture today, but interestingly, Jesus says something that kind of speaks into this, even though it was obviously a few thousand years ago. He says this. Did you hear what he said? Very truly I tell you, No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Jesus assumes that not everyone can see God. That not everyone can see God. Seeing God is not a straightforward thing. Now, this is probably quite shocking to Nicodemus, maybe less so for us, because Nicodemus assumed he could see God. He was a Jew. He was one of God's chosen people. He was a Pharisee, a respected religious leader. Like, if anybody... Shouldn't be able to see God, it should be Nicodemus. And here Jesus is saying, mmm, it's not enough. You need to be born again. Now, for us who live in a materialistic culture where we are told again and again, all that we see is all that there is, we can begin to doubt and we begin to think, well, maybe, maybe they're right. Maybe there is no God. And maybe you can try and respond, like, God, hey there. And you're not sure what you hear back. Maybe you see insects dancing in the breeze, music on the wind, waves lapping ashore at the plane, you think maybe maybe there's a glimpse of God, but I'm not sure. A lot of great philosophers in the early part of the twentieth century predicted that religion would come to an end by the end of the twentieth century. Like we're on this trajectory, we're evolving, and we're going like religion was gonna die. God was dead. And almost frustratingly for uh, some of the new atheists today, that hasn't happened. Religion hasn't died. Like, why? This is not the plan. We're supposed to die, and yet people still believe. Even in our culture, it's almost like we're a little bit haunted by God. We can't quite let go of yearning for a spiritual dimension to life. So we might look in different places. Like, a lot of people are fascinated with the paranormal, and ghost stories. Halloween's coming up. A lot of people want to participate in that. I've seen, I went to a body um, Spirit Festival ages ago, and there's like lines of people waiting and paying lots of money to have their fortune read. So go look at astrology or tarot cards, because we want um, some destiny or some force guiding our lives. The idea of a spiritual force comforts a lot of people. And you know, Jesus in a sense affirms this. He says there's more to this world than just grain. God is here doing what? Laboring to bring new life into our old lives. Helping us to see, because we can't naturally see God by ourselves. This has got to be one of the hardest decisions that God has made. Like, the easy thing would have been, like when creation started turning away, would just be to abort creation and start again. But instead, God chooses to bring new life right in the middle of this old life. He decides to bring transformation. Why? Because God loves this world and God is doing all that God can to seek and save as many as possible. And Jesus says, look, if you listen, the wind is blowing, the spirit is on the move, things are changing. And so for those uh, of us, or maybe our friends, for those that you know that long for goodness and justice and love to reign, I think that's God at work in them. I and mean, we want to affirm that that's a glimpse that God is at work. For those of us who have glimpsed the divine and want to know more, Jesus says, that's good. That's a good start, but it's not enough. There are some people in our culture who like say there's nothing there, that's it. Um, but there's also a lot of people in our culture who say there is a spiritual dimension, but they don't need any help. They don't need the Bible to tell them what's true, they don't need the church, they don't need any external religious authority. All they need is maybe yoga and themselves, and they can become self-realized. They can find God. Have you, have you met people or heard that? It's really popular. Like, do it yourself, figure it out for yourself. Jesus says, well, it's good good that you acknowledge that it's a supernatural element to life, but it's not enough. You can't do this by yourself. All you might get is a glimpse of the divine. But if you want to really see God, you need something more. Now, Nicodemus, I think, sees a glimpse in Jesus. And that's why he goes, he approaches Jesus and he says, you could not do the things you're doing unless God is at work in you. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's true. And if you want to see more than just the glimpse, you need to be born again. Or in the Greek, the word again can also mean above, born above. I think both meanings are true in this context. But Nicodemus interprets it as again, And he gives a really modern, materialistic response here. Verse 4. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. So I have had no experience when it comes to giving birth. I haven't given birth. And I try to avoid it as much as possible. Like, I don't want to hear stories about what it's like to give birth. So when I go to visit people, so I did visit my sister recently, like, I just try to focus on the baby. So it was an hour after the baby had been born, I like, just focus on the baby, cute baby. And I try to ignore any blood-stained sheets I might see hidden around. I don't think Nicodemus has had much experience with what happens in childbirth, either, because this is a really unpleasant image. Like, it's, childbirth is unpleasant enough, but he has this gross image, now it's like, oh, how do you put someone back in the womb and come back out, like, don't think about it too long, it's not pleasant. Materialists, at their extreme, don't get metaphors, don't get how the imagination works, don't get music, like, they take things too literally, and they're like, oh, that's that's so cool. Of course you cannot be born again. Um, This is a metaphor, and metaphors are used uh, to evoke something. They're used to describe something that's real but is unseen. That's the job of a metaphor. So Jesus is saying, no, not literally. You have to be born physically again. But something radical needs to change in your life. And the best way to describe it is like childbirth. You can't come as you are. Now we might get offended at that, and like, you're saying I'm not good enough. He's saying, I can't find God. That's not fair, but Jesus is saying, this is the reality. You have old eyes, you have old ears, you're too immersed in this world, too affected by sin. You can't come as you are and really know God. But before you despair, he keeps going on. Verse 5. Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is, is everyone born of the Spirit. Again, I'm thankful that I don't actually remember being born. Oh, isn't that a good thing? Praise God. And I don't remember being a baby. Probably the person that most remembers this is my mother. Like She's the one that has to do all the hard work. This is what Jesus is saying. The good news is, is that's not all up to us. It is God who labors, and we are invited not just to see God here. Jesus is saying we can enter the kingdom. We can be part of God's family. How? By being born of water and the Spirit. So, what does water and the Spirit mean? Well, Christians automatically think of baptism. Like, is that what I don't know? That's what you thought? Like, and baptism is a really powerful symbol that fits in well with what Jesus is saying here. Um, So it's cool, but probably not exactly what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus, because I don't think Nicodemus would understand it. Although, poor Christians, because we do like debating stuff, we just get fixated on fighting. So so people go, oh, it's about baptism. And they go, well, what type of baptism? Is it sprinkled by water? Or is it full immersion? And so we have this big debate and kind of miss Jesus' point. The other common interpretation is it means Jesus is saying you have to be physically born and then... um, have a spiritual rebirth, which again makes a lot of sense, Um, but I think the clue here is that Jesus expects Nicodemus to understand what he's saying. Who is Nicodemus? He's a Pharisee, so he's someone who really knows the Old Testament. So I think Jesus is referring to things in the Old Testament, and for those of us who know our Old Testament, like all of you here, you know that spirit and water go together a lot in the Old Testament. So think of Genesis. In the beginning, the Spirit hovered over the waters, just as God was birthing creation. God is the one who creates and sustains life. And when we sinned, one of the consequences was that death entered the world and we became separated from the everlasting God, the one who gives life. And yet God loves this world. In Isaiah... Isaiah speaks about a time coming when God will pour water onto a barren land and God will pour his spirit onto a barren people and new life will come. And a lot of Jewish rituals, they would use water in a lot of cleansing rituals as a way of acknowledging that they didn't live under God's kingdom, that they needed to be cleansed. Ezekiel speaks about God coming and sprinkling water onto people's hearts and then pouring out his spirit and giving them hearts of flesh instead of hearts of stone. Perhaps most shockingly, the image even more shocking than that, an adult needing to be reborn is God giving birth in Isaiah 42:14. For a long time, I've kept silent. I've been quiet and held myself back. But now, like a woman in childbirth, I cry out, I gasp and pant. I don't know any of us. Maybe some have given birth, but if you have given birth, it's a really it's a taste of what God is doing, like giving birth to new life is powerful stuff, and that is what God is doing. Now often we picture God being like a father, but here God is pictured being like a mother, struggling to bring you life. And it's a struggle because God is trying to bring you life in the midst of our old lives, like full-on transformation is needed. We need to be cleansed and renewed. We need to be born again in order to be able to see. Now in the ancient world, not only was childbirth painful and messy, but it was also dangerous and mysterious. And so often childbirth was associated quite strongly with death because either the mother or the child often would die. Jesus uses this metaphor to try and describe what God is doing. God is ushering in something new. New age, new life to come. The kingdom, right in the middle of a dangerous and death-filled world. How does that work? Well then we come to our classic famous line, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God brings life through Jesus. And not just life that lasts for a few years, but everlasting life. And then through the Spirit, we have access to Jesus' life. So it's kind of like Jesus' life flows into us. Now at this point, Nicodemus is feeling overwhelmed. This is a very heavy conversation. You might be feeling that too. And he says like, How can this be in verse 9? Poor Nicodemus does not grasp what Jesus is saying. And I think think Jesus has made it a little bit hard. I don't think it was possible for Nicodemus to really grasp what Jesus was saying at that point. But we are told that Nicodemus does appear later in the gospel, like he's there at the crucifixion. So he does keep watching Jesus. He's like, what What is this person on about? And I don't think it's until he's actually standing at the cross, seeing Jesus being lifted up, that he begins to remember this conversation and realise that necessary for spiritual birth and eternal life is Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection. That is where new life is found. That is where the kingdom of God kind of breaks in as Jesus is being lifted up on the cross. There at the cross, sin is dealt with. There at the cross, we recognise our helplessness, our inability to see. And there at the cross, and you remember uh, the connection between childbirth, often associated with death. There at the cross, Jesus dies in order for new life to come. Just before Jesus died, uh, he said to his disciples, once more he used the image of childbirth to describe what he was about to do. John sixteen twenty one, A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when the baby, her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So Jesus says there is pain in the cross. But Jesus willingly undergoes that so that he might have the joy of seeing people become children of God. If you want new life, it's found in Jesus. And as you look at Jesus, the spirit comes and starts to wipe away the grime in our eyes and unblock our ears and get away whatever is watching <laughs> In our lives, the Spirit brings new life. If you want to see more than grey, Jesus says you need the Spirit to recreate you. And even those of us who feel oh, we're too old or stubborn or set in our ways, God's Spirit can recreate us. And when that happens, we become spiritual people. And it's like, I wish I, wish I could remember this as a baby. <coughs> like opening your eyes for the first time as a baby. Like how amazing must it be? being like this whole new world opens up to you i think that's what happens when you have been spiritually reborn to you open up your eyes like wow there is a spiritual dimension to life and suddenly heaven is visible and open to you and suddenly it's the most natural thing in the world to have a chat with jesus it's not one at all of course jesus is present and when people go crazy i don't see anybody they're like oh you you haven't had the spirit work in your life yet god god must still be at work in your life you you can't hear the music because you haven't been transformed by the Spirit. So when we think about why do some people pray and other people don't? And why do some people believe in God and other people don't? However you are going to answer that, you have to say that a lot of it is a mystery, like I can't give you the mathematical (coughs) calculations of how it works, but we need God's Spirit to be at work. If God's Spirit is not at work in your life, there's no way you're going to be able to trust in Jesus. There's no way you're going to believe that there's a spiritual dimension to life. You need God's Spirit at work. You might think, well, oh, that's good. I have God's Spirit at work. Oh, it's sucked in to all of those other people who don't. I don't think we should get too arrogant about that. Because part of coming to know Jesus is also experiencing death and resurrection for ourselves. So coming to know Jesus is learning to lay down our old lives, our old sin to put to death sin and as we do so we're asking God's Spirit to help us to transform us to begin to live under God's reign and sometimes there's a tension because we're not I don't think we're fully born yet I think we're, I don't know, don't want to imagine it too much we're in the process of being born. And just like childbirth has a lot of struggle and pain, so sometimes being a Christian, we we'll have struggle and pain so we're putting to a death and we're trying to live in this new life. But it's, it's a tension still. and So we need God's Spirit to continue to help us. So we keep praying. When you feel like it's hard to pray, when you feel like this is odd, I'm not even sure who's there, when you feel like I'm not sure if I can trust God, but keep praying for God's Spirit to help us recognizing that we live in this tension between the old creation and the new creation and we're somewhere in the middle of it. This part of John's Gospel ends by saying, God loves the world. God loves the world. God wants people to be saved, but we love the darkness. We prefer not knowing God. So we need to keep praying. Holy Spirit, help me not to love the darkness. And helping uh, to be able to share this good news with others. Like, hopefully, people see a change in you. Jesus says, "You can't see the wind; you can't see the Spirit." Like physically, but hopefully, there's a change in you when the Spirit is at work in your life. you would moved dead to alive. You're a new creation. And hopefully, people see that and long to get to know the God that you worship. That's our prayer. And for those of us who're involved in sharing the gospel in youth group, kids ministry, or Uh, in your normal weeks, we need to remember that as much as we be a good witness, as much as we use the right words, we need God's Spirit to be at work in our lives. And so it comes back to prayer. Holy Spirit, keep transforming my life, keep transforming the lives of those around me. So I'm going to stop talking, and I thought it would be a good idea for us to spend some time in prayer